This morning we're going to talk about separation. We're going to study Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, where we just read just a few moments together from that book and discussed that the Lord would gather before him all nations and there would be like the separating or dividing of sheep from goats. And I know that you visually can uh, get that image in your mind. Before we do, I'd like to bring some thoughts to your mind to maybe introduce the subject with some, uh, maybe put some personality to it. When you bring up the idea of separation, that is such a sobering word. Because when I mention separation, I know there's some thoughts that perhaps come to your mind that really are not very pleasant. For instance, when husbands and wives separate because they cannot get along, they've had differences between one another, and one must separate in the sense of no longer stay in the presence of that person. A great amount of heartache goes with that. A great amount of sadness or, for instance, when siblings are separated in foster homes. Several years ago, when Coretta worked with the Department of Children's Services, she worked with foster children. And most often, the state would always try to put brothers and sisters in the same foster home together, but occasionally that just could not take place. And it's so sad to see a little boy or a little girl say, I want to see my brother, I want to see my sister because of the love that's there. And that separation brings again such heartache, such disappointment. Or what about loved ones who are separated due to work? For seven years we lived in Clarksville. And Fort Campbell is right there near Clarksville. A number of the people who worked on the base would attend services and you saw people as they were deployed, they went into foreign areas. Husbands most often were separated from their wives and their families grieved. And you know that when the joining together takes place that there's such joy and enthusiasm when someone comes back from a deployment to war or other things. But now I want to be sober with you for just a moment about a spiritual separation. The truth is, is that when the Lord does the separation at the end of time, it will be permanent. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, picking up about the middle of verse 7, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will be punished with everlasting destruction, now listen carefully, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When that great separation takes place, these people will be then deprived of all the blessings that comes from God. You see, even while we're here on earth, as we are together, this beautiful sunshine that is going to fall upon us today falls on both the good and the evil. The rain that we have had that has nourished our earth is fallen on the good and the bad. 
But when that eternal separation takes place, there will be no blessings from God. None. And not only that, all of those good loved ones who have gone before, never again will you be in their presence. That's sobering. This morning, what we want to do is we want to look at three things from this passage. It will not be an expository type lesson where we'll just go verse by verse, but the thoughts are all from this passage. And we want to talk, first of all, about the description of the animals because the Lord talks about sheep and goats. Then we want to notice a distinction in life because the Lord's not interested in us just thinking about sheep and goats. He wants us to think about people. And then finally, to look at the division that takes place at judgment. So if you've got your Bibles, let's begin now as we start with regards to studying about these animals. And when you look at it, the Bible has a lot to say about sheep and goats. I think in most of our minds, we think of sheep's the good ones, the goats are the bad ones. But reality, they're both clean animals. They both could be eaten and sacrificed. It wasn't as if a sheep was good to eat and good to sacrifice and a goat wasn't. They both were. For instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 4 and 5, these are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. You'll see there's both of them that are listed there. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 5, as he gives the sacrificing, and your lamb shall be without blemish, a male from the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So you don't think immediately that all goats are bad. But I will tell you that characteristically, those that were sheep were considered to be of the white, and we'll see that illustrated. And those who were of the goats were generally of the black or speckled, dark. And so for that reason, you would see a distinction between them. And again, I mentioned sheep were not always good, nor goats always bad. Sheep were a figure of good. For instance, you remember in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 as he is trying to illustrate sin and how one forgiven is blessed. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The idea of wool being white. But the truth is, is that sheep are also known for being animals that just wander off and go astray. In Isaiah 53 and verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How many of us have just wandered off from the Lord? But goat's hair was considered to be very attractive. I know that sometimes we may not always think in those terms, but in the book of Song of Solomon, as you have the beloved and the picture there of a woman looking at the man and appreciating his looks, she says, 
Turn your eyes away from me, for they have overcome me. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Gilead. Just think of that beautiful flowing black hair that is pictured here. But let me tell you something else about goats. Goats are noted for the damage done to the land, even to the stripping until there's no food left. It was said that if you would take a herd of goats and put them on a small deserted island that it wouldn't be long they'd starve to death because they'd eat everything in sight. I've always heard that goats would eat anything, but just a few years ago when we were at Mount Sinai and we were coming back to get back on the bus, there was a a little pen full of goats. I've got a picture of them eating newspaper trash, eating plastic bottles. They eat anything. And so they're considered much like scavengers. So the goats here are not always good. But you see, as we start thinking about them, the Lord's not really focusing our attention on sheep and goats. I only mention it because that's not really common to us. Sheep and goats may eat together. They may have similarities in the way they look. But there are distinctions between them. If I, for instance, this morning were to put a sheep and a goat side by side up here, you'd recognize which was a sheep and which was a goat. Even though they're not that far different in size and shape. And looks. And then likewise with regards to men. We all look pretty much alike. We all possess some similar characteristics, but there are some distinctions between good people and bad people. For instance, the Bible talks about people who walk with the Lord in white. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the elders answered saying, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You're talking about Christians whose sins have been washed away and now they're clean, they're pure, they're white. Chapter 3 and verse 4, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And then Revelation chapter 19 and verse 8, And it was granted unto her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Now listen carefully, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You see, the distinction between those who are not good and those who are good is those who are good have washed their sins away, their dirtiness in the blood of the Lamb, and they are practicing living by righteous acts. Of course, you do recognize there's some dirty. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke and to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. You see, the dirty garments was representative of iniquity, sin. 
I would suggest to you that look at this audience. Let's don't go outside the walls. Let's look right here. Some have washed their robes, their lives, in the blood of the Lamb. You're clean and pure. Some of you have not yet done that. Some of you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins. Also, there's some who still have dirty clothes on. And I'm not talking about the physical clothes. I'm talking about your life. You see, there's distinctions between them. But I don't want to end just with the distinction between the sheep and the goats. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, to chapter 34, for just a minute. I can't spend a long time here. I'd love to spend a lot of time talking about this whole chapter because in the beginning of the chapter, he talks about the shepherds that had led the children of Israel to the situation they were in. And God condemns those shepherds because they were feeding themselves and not feeding the sheep and they were not going and bringing back what had wandered off and what had been stolen and what had been hurt. But then when you get to the end of the chapter, he says, okay, now I want to look at you sheep. And he says there's even a distinction between sheep. Notice with me verses 17 and following. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. Is it too little for you that you have eaten up the pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of the pasture and have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself shall judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself, I will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with your side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Now, folks, for just a moment, I want to make a point that even of the sheep, God says, I am going to make a distinction. Some were good sheep. Others were careless sheep. He said, you're butting them. You're pushing them around. And when you eat, you're trampling down their food. And when you get in the clean water, your dirty feet are fouling the water for the others. You see, as you think about the animals and you make the comparisons to us, there's some Christians, some people who are sheep who are not acting like good sheep. Some evidently think they can fool others. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 pointed out that some were pretending to be sheep. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're not real sheep. They're just pretending to be sheep. But the Lord knows. He's the great shepherd. And here's a characteristic of real shepherds. 
They know their flock, and their flock knows them. In John 10, verse 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But one should not think that they can live like a goat and be counted as a sheep. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people who think that I can fool everybody, including the Lord. But if you go to Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of my heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, let's talk about the divisions in judgment. This is really now where we turn and we focus on the text. Because at the judgment, the Lord is going to divide the righteous from the wicked, just like a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And when you go to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us are going to pass by, and it's going to be as if the Lord were saying, okay, you're a sheep, and you're a goat, and you're a sheep, and you're a goat. And everybody's determination is going to be fair. Because the Lord is going to judge between whether you and I have done good or bad. John 5, verse 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming which all that are in the tombs or the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. When you get to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, there is the picture of the judgment scene as well. And John's vision is a great white throne. I saw the great white throne in him who sat upon it, from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things written in the books. The dead gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if any was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. You see the division that takes place at judgment. But now I want you to focus on the text there. Because you have service and sentences. What did people do and what sentence did they receive? In both instances in this passage, the separation was based upon services rendered or not. For instance, if you'll go with me to Matthew chapter 25, let's look at verses 35 through 40. And then we're going to look at verses 42 through 45. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, 
and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it unto me. You see, the Lord says, look at what you have done. They didn't realize they were doing it for their brethren. And in doing it for them, they were doing it for the Lord. Just a cup of cold water. But you drop down with me to verse 42. And to the others he says, For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. The Lord is looking at them and he's saying, Okay, you didn't offer any service. In their minds, if the Lord had been there, they would have done it. But the Lord said, You didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren. And then what you do is you'll notice you start thinking about the things the Lord brings up. Hungry people needing food to eat. Thirsty people needing water to drink. Or the stranger, the one who's traveling and he has no place to stay, you take him in. The naked, you provide clothing. The sick and those in prison, he uses the word minister. That is... You provide for their needs as best you can. And all of these together show services rendered. You know, a lot of times we talk about in the Lord's church what it takes for a person to become a Christian. We talk about faith in God, repentance of sins, confession of our faith, and being baptized. And that's true and that's right. But the Lord here focuses judgment on those who have rendered services in His name. And then when you get to the distinction of the sentences, if you look at verse 34 and verse 41, then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come, you're going to enjoy all the blessings that the Father has prepared. Verse 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I want you to notice there's some common words and some distinctive words. Right hand, left hand. Come, and depart, the distinction there, 
And then he talks about places prepared. Heaven is prepared for those who are righteous. Hell is prepared for those who are not. You've got to realize the profound significance of that word separation. The permanence of it. With whom do you intend to spend eternity? God and the good and faithful? Or the devil and all the wicked of his age? When I think about opportunities at the end of the sermon, I, my mind goes to the point is, now here's the opportunity for somebody who's listened to this lesson and it's pricked their heart, and they say, I've got to do something. I want to use an illustration from Exodus 32, 26. Moses come back down off the mountain, and there was sin in the camp. And he wanted the people to understand they had to make a choice. They had to make a stand Here's what it says. Then Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves or themselves to gather to him. Let me ask you a question. Whose side are you on? Are you on the side of the goats, those on the left, those that are going to burn eternally? Or are you on the side of the sheep? And do you plan to spend eternity with God? Right now, you have a choice. And if you want to make the right choice, that's what this invitation song is for. You can come forward, have a seat on the front pew. If you need to become a Christian, we'll baptize you in just a few minutes. If you're a child of God struggling with sin in your life and you want the prayers of this congregation, we'll pray with you. Would you come while we stand inside?